Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be discussing the latest happenings in Euro 2020, the Jack Grealish hype train and some Villa transfer window news. Today I'm delighted to once again be joined by Craig and Dan. Hey, hey, Craig Storrid here. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Craig Storrid. Wonderful to be back uh, talking about a glorious England win. And obviously, uh, preseason is upon us for Aston Villa. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun show. Uh, hey, everyone. Daniel Betridge here. Um, I won't do a long, long-winded intro. Just three words. Football's coming home. Oh, <laughs> you've said it. You've said it. Well, we'll get on to that, certainly, as we go through the, the podcast um, it was certainly a, 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 it's been a great week for England, hasn't it? And um, you know, there's only that's the only place really we can we can start this podcast um, as we're recording 24 hours after England's crushing four nil victory over the Ukraine in the quarterfinal of Euro 2020. Um, it's of course right on the back of um, kind of the tournament defining win against Germany at Wembley uh, last week where our star boy Jack Grealish came off the bench to make his impact, having a hand in both goals. Um, he was quite sadly a, an unused sub yesterday. He was watching on as as, as England ran riot um, against the Ukraine, and uh, he, was, he wasn't needed, essentially. Um, it's... Must be quite frustrating for him after a, after the the high of of the Germany win, um, but it's hard to argue too much with with Southgate's strategy at the moment as we we're sort of coasting through the rounds. Um, but what what do you envisage um, will be be Jack's involvement for the remainder remainder of the tournament, guys? I think Jack's involvement has kind of become secondary. I think that um, all of us probably were a little bit disappointed when he's not playing. But, you know, as you say, Andy, you know, you can't argue with Southgate at this point. It would just be um, churlish, actually. I think just the first thing to say is what a night for England. Um, Absolutely the the most comfortable I have ever been in my whole life during any kind of knockout game um, for for England. Um, Ukraine, I think, were diabolical. So thank you, Ukraine. Some defending that you wouldn't see in Sunday League. Um, but England can only beat what's in front of them. Um, now, I, you know, about Jack, I did feel he should should have started on merit. I thought having came on and sparked England to the win over Germany uh, last week or a few days ago, um, I thought he deserved to start. Um, in terms of the, 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 the future of him in the, in the tournament, I mean, I don't like people labelling Grealish as a super sub. I, I think that term is disrespectful, that kind of brings you know brings thoughts of someone like Andy Carroll or 
Tori Andre Flo or, or, or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, someone who you chuck on for the last five minutes in a bit of a, a bit a bit of a panic. Uh, you know, we all know that Jack Grealish is far more than that. But Gareth Southgate, one thing that we probably can say about him is he certainly has his favourites and Jack Grealish doesn't seem to be one of them. And I think we just have to get our head around that fact. We know that Mount is always going to play. Uh, you know, Mount hasn't had a particular strong tournament from my perspective, um, but Mount plays regardless. Sterling, Kane, Maguire, Walker, those guys will always play for Southgate. And I think it was noticeable to me that uh, Southgate even preferred to bring on Trippier uh, yesterday at left-back rather than Chilwell, which speaks to Southgate's kind of mindset, I think, his loyalty and his, his stubbornness. You know, the game is won. Chilwell, Chilwell, Chilwell hasn't had a kick and he brings on Trippier. So I think Jack Grealish is in... You know, he's kind of an England second-class citizen, unfortunately. And um, But just so long as England are, are winning, what can we say? We can't, we can't say, say we, we can't criticise too much, I don't think. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, when the final whistle blew yesterday, I don't know if anyone else saw it, but Southgate made a beeline for Jack. He didn't celebrate with the players on the pitch. He made a beeline for Jack, put his arm around him, was talking in his ear. Saw Jack hug, Shev, uh, hug Shevchenko too, who kind of was talking in his ear. And I think Southgate's very conscious of the fact he hasn't given Jack the game time. I mean, I'm not going to criticise Southgate, but I found it interesting that Sancho started instead of him. It, it worries me that maybe you need a, a multi-million pound move to a Manchester club to get a starting berth for England. And I hope that doesn't speak to speak to Jack's future. But I don't know. I, it's, I don't know what to do. With my Villa hat on, Jack should be starting. He should be starting. He's created you know, some of the best moments for England when he's come on. He's a phenomenal player. He really should be starting for England but on the other side of the fence Southgate hasn't put a foot wrong so far we haven't conceded a goal we've only dropped points in one game everything he touched seems to turn to gold at the moment and having lived through so many tournaments when players were played out of place players were played when they weren't fit tactical decisions were done wrong it's hard but maybe he's doing the right thing by leaving Jack out I hate saying that as a Villa fan but whatever he's doing seems to be working and I still think Jack's got a part to play in this tournament. I still think his, he, he's got a role in this story. But, yeah, I hate to use the words, but I think it's as a super sub. I, 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 I wanted to sort of bring his fitness into this, really, because, you know, we can't ignore the fact that he was... He has had a, a, a chronic injury, hasn't he? And it's a, it's kind of a... How would you call it? A stress injury or a, or a, a kind of loading injury? Um which needs to be managed, and I think it will need to be managed by Villa as well going forward. Um, and we we perhaps don't like the idea of, of of this happening to players, but sometimes it does, and sometimes and it affects their ability. Um, and maybe in years gone by, he'd have been out there, um, you know, almost on one leg um, if if necessary. But we're in a position with England where. We, we don't have to. We don't have to play anyone um, who isn't fit, really. Um, and certainly not in, in Jack's position. We have a, a multitude of options. Um, like you say, Sancho came out of nowhere to start um, last night and he, he, d- he did okay. Um, so it, it's a strange one with Jack. It's almost, again, you, you put your England hat and your, your Villa hat on, but, but my Villa hat um, says that 
I actually I actually don't mind this. I actually like the fact that they're they're holding back a little bit. Um you know, they're not pushing him, they're not overloading him and he's 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 still making the impact, isn't he? He's still having that that influence. He's the I mean, he's the star man in the in the squad. He, you know, everyone wants to talk to him, everyone wants to to write articles about him and and do do you know content on him. So his 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 stock is going through the roof all the time, and all he needs really is a goal in one of the next two games, and he's going to be an absolute national hero, isn't he? So, um, and I think he will. I think he will have a part to play. I've got a sneaking feeling he's going to start on 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 Wednesday because I think it's a I think it's a game for him. Uh, I think I think I'd not, I don't think Denmark will, will will live with him to be honest, and uh, I think maybe it's a case of you know he's 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 sat this one out you know with a view to to, to starting the next game hopefully. So um, I, I, you know that we have to bear that in mind. Have you gentlemen seen Beauty and the Beast, the uh, the Disney movie, the not the uh, not the one with the uh, one from, with Hermione from Harry Potter, the other one, the old one, the original one? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, like the glass jar containing the rose. I think yes. that Jack Grealish is the rose in the jar, and that written on the jar is, <laughs> in case of emergency, break glass. I think he's <laughs> precious. <laughs> And I think that Jack Grealish is uh, is 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 the rose. He is England's rose. Now, um, I think that Southgate does turn to Grealish. Did turn to Grealish as his game saver for for the Germany or game changer for Germany. Um, I don't. I disagree with you, Andy. I don't see him starting. But um, I, I believe that Southgate has a fundamental distrust of Jack Grealish. Because I think Jack Grealish creates chaos. And I think that Southgate as a coach and as a man, as a human being, yearns for absolute control. And you can never quite control Grealish. You can coach him, you can nudge him, you can encourage him to do certain things. But part of his genius is his ability to do the thing you don't expect him to do. I don't think Southgate enjoys that as a footballer, but I think Southgate knows that Sometimes you need that, but I don't think it's Southgate's go-to thing, which I think has been evidenced and how Grealish has been used. Um, I think if we're looking at the England front players, obviously Kane is now, you know, sparked back into life. Sterling's, you know, probably been a player of the tournament. Saka's had some good games. And Grealish has had some good moments. I don't think Mason Mount has had a good tournament. I don't think Phil Foden had a good tournament um, prior to him being dropped. Sancho, as you say, uh, he did okay, but, you know, nothing to write home about. So Jack Grealish, for me, deserves to start on merit because he's been one of England's uh, better players when used. But I just don't think Southgate sees it that way. And I think that he will only use him, uh, Jack Grealish, that is, if it's an emergency and he will break that beautiful glass and retrieve the rose. Do you know what I find kind of interesting about that? I, I agree with you. Mount's not had a good tournament, but I think his highlights come without the ball. But I think the point you make about Southgate not tr- not trusting Jack and, and not believing in his positional player, his pressing or whatever it is. Do you know another manager who likes to have complete control over their players? And that's Pep Guardiola. And I know we'll come on to it, but it always strikes me as the weirdest transfer story of a manager who is so controlling of his players. They're like chess pieces around the pitch. 
potentially, if the papers are to be believed, and I know we'll talk about this, looking at the most creative, independent, maverick midfielder possibly in the, in the Premier League at the moment. And so and there's a little part of me, same as, same as you, Andy, I like the fact that Grealish isn't getting extra minutes on his legs, but I also wonder if he's seeing a different side to managers. He's, Dino puts his arm around him, lets him do whatever he wants, and I wonder if maybe this will show him that it's not all not all easy going when uh, when you're under a different manager, maybe a more controlling manager. Oh, I think I think absolutely he'll be dying to get back um, to Dean Smith to to what he knows and um, and the, the security of of Aston Villa, but. You know, you can tell he's just desperate to show people what he can do, and he has in flashes. You know, and uh, he's 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 not had um, a bad time of it at all, and he's certainly been, um, you know, uh, someone that's 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 talked about an awful lot in in this in this squad. Um, and maybe he does deflect a little bit of um, attention away from other players, and maybe that's a, another kind of use for him. Um, in that respect, which is a bit uh, a bit strange, but. Um, I've just got a feeling. I've got a feeling he's still gonna he's still gonna do something, and he's he is gonna be. It's gonna be the the the, uh, the defining moment, and um, you know I'm I'm I just feel it's his game. I feel it's a game for him, just as as Southgate has has picked um, personnel for certain certain other games during this tournament. I think he'll I think he'll turn to Jack on on Wednesday, and you know to be his ball carrier and to to. To, to get through the, the Danish press, and I think he'll um, I think he'll be he'll he'll be in the side, um, obviously with with Sterling and um, and, and Kane, and uh, I just see it being a great night for for, for Jack and all that, all his all his his followers um, in uh, in Claret and Blue, um, but another another Villa Villa squad member. Um, Tyra Mings um, is not really featured, not featured at all since uh, coming on as a, as, as a substitute um, in the final group game against the, the Czech Republic. Um, there's no doubt that uh, he's, he's, he's made a significant impact, um, you know, certainly in the first two games after starting um, those games. Uh, and he looks like, to be honest, like he's having the time of his life in that England squad on, his, on, this, on this particular tournament journey. Um, but with Maguire and Stones as first choices at the back now, it, it feels unlikely that, that Mings will feature much, if at all now. Um, but what will this experience mean to him as a player and, a, and as a man? And, and, and what, what could be the knock-on effect for, for Villa next season? Yeah, I think firstly the Maguire question. I was surprised he came back in, but he's not put a foot wrong since he came back into the team. So I, I think we... We kind of all of us would like to see Ming still in there because he's he played so well and he acquitted himself so well. But he's really we can't complain that Maguire's in there. What it means for Villa though, I think both he and Jack are around a team that that are learning how to win, learning how to handle pressure, learning how to be good young men. I hate to say it, but every time an England player comes out on an interview, they sound so well spoken, so knowledgeable, so heartfelt. And basically, I see two of our stars growing as men, growing as characters, growing as leaders. And I think that's what Villa have needed for a little while. We've had a little bit of a leadership void in there. And I think they're learning on the job. And I think for Villa, it can only be good news. We get our two 
key leaders really coming back having learned how to be even better characters and I I mean that's the best thing as Villa fans we can take out of this tournament apart from possibly a trophy the whole country can celebrate at the end of it our, our two key players are going to have developed as human beings and had a hell of an experience and, and that can only be good news for Villa. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this experience can only help Aston Villa ultimately. Uh, Mings will have been training with with better players, better defenders. We've seen Harry Maguire, I agree to that point. I mean, Mings could have done no more. You know, he had four clean sheets in four appearances, but uh, you can see that Harry Maguire is a a better player at this point in time. I think we we can see that. And if I'm taking my Villa hat off, you know, that is clear to me to see. Um, Mings is probably used to that because he's on the he's been on the uh, the, uh, the the other end of the stick probably with Courtney Hawes. You know, Courtney Hawes I think came in uh, earlier last season when uh, Mings got sent off against Crystal Palace. Hawes comes in, keeps a clean sheet, scores a goal, plays well. The next game against uh, Chelsea, I think it was a one-one um, up there. And then Hawes is dropped and then we don't see him again for, for, for four months. And so Mings has been the beneficiary of that kind of support that Maguire is enjoying. And I think Maguire has been outstanding. I'm not a Harry Maguire fan <laughs> at all, but I think he has been absolutely outstanding. But the, the experience and, and, and being away is, is going to be really good. But it's not just Mings. It's not just, um, it's not just uh, Jack Grealish. Let's also look at what's going on in South America. Douglas Luiz in the semifinals of the Copa America. Emmy Martinez in the semifinals of the Copa America as Argentina's, Argentina's number one goalkeeper. Now, even though Douglas Luiz isn't playing many minutes, he's still in there. He's still around there. You know, even John McGinn, you know, being in a major tournament, you know, it's all going to make them better players when they come back to, to, to Villa and more experience next year. And hopefully it gives them all a kick up the backside, particularly Douglas Luiz and John McGinn to see okay i i know what the level is now i need to i need to really kick on yeah that's a good point actually i think i think martinez um similar to mings in in the way is, is he kept three or four clean sheets already um in the tournament you know so it's i mean he's just the the, the clean sheet uh specialist isn't he um and it's, it's so great to see from afar I, I i must confess i haven't watched any of the copa america as as yet, but you sort of follow the the progress that they're making over there, and you know it's great to see our two of our boys playing in that tournament. I don't th- have we ever had players playing in that tournament. I, I, I don't Would know. I don't have played down there at one point in, in his yeah. Fight, possibly, but... yeah, yeah. Carlos Santiago, Ulysses de la Cruz, oh, don't you know, man? Yeah, how can we Solano maybe down that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, so. maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's just wonderful um, to see this happening, and you know, just so such a short period of time after we were we were kind of scrapping in the in the championship, you know, trying to trying to get out, get out of that, and and now we've got players playing in the Euros and the Copa America um, and being successful, and and that's it's just a, a huge turnaround and a hopefully a sign of of things to come. But I'm just. Every time I see Tyro Mings wearing that England top or that England uh, tracksuit, it it just brings a brings a glow to my heart. I just I just love the fact that he's he's got that um, that that level of 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 kind of credibility now of being an England squad member, um, and he's he's the first change, isn't he? Really, um, I think in a back four, 
Um, if Stones and Maguire were, were weren't available, I think Mings would be the man to come in. So um, it's 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 great to see that is it's it, and it's it, we shouldn't be surprised because we see we see him, you know, with you know playing playing or defending really well every week. Yes, he makes the odd mistake here and there, um, like John Stones, as we've discussed. But he's just such a leader, such a such a, and such a calming influence at the, at the back. Um, that, that I think players love playing with him. I think Stones really enjoyed those first two games of playing with him. And I agree with you, Craig. I think um, I think Maguire is a is a superb centre back, and um, he's really come into his own this season. And 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 this tournament, he's been since he's come back, he's been he's been rock solid and. And you can see why he's such a huge part of of, of, of Southgate's plans. So it's no, um, you know, it's not really not so much a kick in the teeth for for Mings to be behind him. He's he's you know I'm sure he would accept that. Um, but he will be looking, he will be looking to take that slot as well um, whenever he can um, in the future. So fantastic for him. Really really good to to see. Um, but I suppose we, we we need to get back to uh, Jack Grealish because <laughs> we've not talked about him for five minutes. Um, you know, back to the sort of transfer window matters really, and the, and the rumours um, about his future continue to rumble on. Um, there was, you know, even talk that, that that a deal to to take him to Man City was all but done. I think Jim White and Talksport were were all over that um, a few days ago. Um, however, it seemed that to, that rumor was scotched um, by reliable sources, including John Percy at the Telegraph. Um, and since then, it's been more more stories about you know suggesting that the most likely scenario sees Jack signing a new contract with with Aston Villa, uh, committing his his immediate future once again to this exciting Villa project. Um, what are your feelings on this? Um, you know, and and just say if Jack was to be sold, you know, what are the potential consequences, either positive or negative, if there are any positives um, of this? Well, um, this is becoming like a, 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 a this is becoming one of the uh, the transfer sagas alongside Harry Kane. Uh, but overall, my feelings haven't changed. Regular listeners will know that I don't believe that Jack is leaving this summer. I haven't changed my mind on that. But I've also said, and I'll reiterate again here, I do believe that should we fail to qualify for Europe next season, that Jack Grealish will leave, and Jack Grealish should leave. Um, I think what are the positives and the negatives? Well. <laughs> I think if he is sold, um, without trying to get too hyperbolic here, I think it will be absolutely catastrophic to the project. Um, I'm not going to mince my words here. I think the loss of Jack would very probably set us back maybe three or four years. Um, I think Jack's exit could also have a similar impact to the exit of Gareth Barry um, in the learner years. Uh, Barry was arguably the greatest of his day, club captain, until <laughs> Barry was stripped of the club captaincy for trying to engineer a move to Liverpool. But, you know, club captain, our best player, longest serving player, came through the youth ranks, obviously via, via Brighton with his mate Michael Standing for uh, Barry, but still played youth football for Aston Villa, England international. And then what happened after Gareth Barry left? The, the parallels are there. I'll tell you what happened. Milner was next, the Ashley Young, then Stuart Downing, and then Petrov got sick. Gabby downed his tools and went to the kebab shop. And then all of a sudden, your 
you know, Martin O'Neill's top four challengers are being managed by Alex McLeish and we're fighting relegation almost in the blink of an eye. So if Grealish leaves, how long before Ollie Watkins wants to move on? How long before Conza wants to move on? Emmy Martinez will surely start attracting um, uh, Champions League attention before long as he's certainly one of the best goalkeepers in the league and has now become, as we discussed earlier, Argentina's number one, which is no, which is a big deal. Those, that is a major footballing power. And even if we do, you know, the positives would be the money, I guess. But even with 100 million in the bank, who do, who do we sign? Who do you replace him with? There's no, there's no replacement for, for, for Grealish. As we said earlier, you know, he's, he's chaos. He's an absolute one-off. Um, and I look at the other clubs that have, have, have sold those, those, their, their players. The, the question I would ask you, gentlemen, is if you are selling your best players, how do you ever bridge that gap? The answer is you don't. You look at a Tottenham. If they had kept hold of the likes of Carrick and Bale, Modric, Berbatov, Kyle Walker, they would have won that league off Leicester uh, in, in 2015, I think it was. Um, West Ham, another example, a little bit lower down the food chain. If they had kept Ferdinand, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson, Frank Lampard, what kind of team would have they had? How do we ever progress if we sell our best players? That's the question to ask. I, I don't think we do. It thoroughly depressed me there, Craig. I'm kind of... I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think Jack's going this summer either. I think COVID, for once, plays in our favour here. And the fact I don't think they'll string the money together for Kane and Jack. And I think this is the summer to buy Kane. Um, what a villa without Jack Grealish. It's, we lose the X factor. It's like take that without Robbie Williams. It's, you know, it's what's the point? You just become a housewife's <laughs> favourite selling Christmas signals. I mean... I, I honestly, I don't know. I can't even consider it. I, I can't even wrap my head around an Aston Villa without Jack Grealish in the side. I, the one thing I hope is that he does us all a favour by moving to the continent so we can all get a second team to support because I'm not sure I could stomach him playing against us. And I mean, listeners, I, I can see the Etihad from my, my bedroom window here and I hate the thought that he could be down the road playing for another outfit. It would break my heart. But I'm not on Craig's kind of wavelength there that it would be that much of a disaster for Aston Villa of course no team would be the same without Jack Grealish but I think this Aston Villa are far better set up to cope with the loss of a Jack Grealish than the Villa that came up the Villa that Steve Bruce managed the the Villa that almost got run into the ground a few years ago we we have a recruitment team who are clearly identifying talent. I mean, we were just talking about the number of Villa players representing their countries at a high level. Most of those Villa players have stepped up whilst wearing an Aston Villa shirt. And so Villa is clearly a place to come if you want to get international recognition. Of course, we're not including the likes of Ollie Watkins in there, let alone Matt Target, who I think will be there or thereabouts next year. We're signing smartly. We're buying people like Buendia, who we, you know, Arsenal were after. We got him. And I don't think our business in the transfer window's done yet. And the players we're looking at are, again, high-profile players for the future. And so that's the thing. 100 million for Jack, 200 million for Jack, it makes no difference. He's irreplaceable. But I have confidence that we have a, a recruitment team in place who will fill that void. Not like Tottenham did with Bale, where they brought five useless players or whatever it was and, and wasted the money. I think we'd spend that money well. And not to mention the young players we got coming through. Um, does it mean that we'd step backwards? Of course. It would be a horror season, that first season, without him. 
but I don't think it's the end of this Aston Villa project. And what I like about the signing of Buendia, the links to Smith Rowe at Arsenal, the whole youth project coming through is that we're laying the foundations for for what comes next beyond Jack and then beyond that generation. And it feels sustainable to me. Um, But I will cry legitimate man tears when Jack Grealish gets old. I'm I'm not going to... There's so many players that have left that you could just exercise from your memory. Like Gareth Barry loved him, but then he doesn't exist to me anymore. I've pretended he doesn't exist. When Jack goes, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll have to start part-time supporting City or something just to watch him play every week because I'm not sure how how my life exists without Jack Grealish in it I mean it was hard enough this year with when he was injured I don't know how I'd do permanently without Jack Grealish here yeah I mean that that's a that's a big call Dan I'm wondering <laughs> what's in that whiskey you've got there but, um, <laughs> um, I think as our uh, American uh, friends and listeners would would say we need to talk turkey um it's not just about the transfer fee with Jack anymore, is it? You know, he's clearly now a brand. He's he's a he's a becoming a global name in football. Anyone that that, that dominates the England agenda um, is on the world stage. Um, he's got that marketability. I've been saying it for years. People have been talking about it for years. If 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 Villa ever got back in the Premier League and you know were a going concern again, and he played for England, he would go into the stratosphere because he's got that. He's got something about him. He's got source, hasn't he? He's got the the um, you know the the look. He's got the the style, um, and he's a maverick, and and that's what attracts sponsorship and and supporters you know people all over the world being attracted to a football team to buy a shirt or to come come and watch the team play and i just wonder if you add all that up and if that continues to appreciate his marketability it continues to appreciate in value what's that worth over the next four years of his contract you know it's got to be it's got to be worth more than 100 million to villa but it's also the soul of the club isn't it it's not just the financial you know he's got his a pic, there's on the on the back of the north stand there's a picture of him and dean smith you know huge picture of dean him and dean smith um so everyone that comes into that into the club who visits the club in, in any kind of capacity sees that that's the heart and soul of the club um you know Brummy boys, Aston Villa men, you know, leading the leading the club, and you've got to take that down if he goes. What are you going to do? Who are you going to put up there? What what's 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 the next thing? And of course, one day he won't play for Aston Villa, will he? But to to sell him now would just be it would feel like the Aston Villa of old. However much we got for him, it would feel like we're cashing in, and um, and putting that. Ahead of, ahead of the the project, ahead of the, the um, you know the next sort of few few years of progression, um. But like I said last week, you know if he stays, gives us another year. It's it's top six or bust. It really is. Um, maybe even higher. Who knows? You've got to do it next year now. The pressure is really really on. Um. But yeah, so it's not just about, you know, you can sign players that can play in his position, um, you know, and do quite well. Not everyone has got Jack Grealish in the team, have they? We're very lucky. Um, 
but it's it's everything else. It's the whole thing now that they've got to consider. It's not just about selling a footballer. The marketability is a really interesting point. I mean, he's in that Call of Duty advert at the moment, which kind of, you know, the kids like. That's that's a big deal. And I saw an article in a, a paper the other day talking about how he's bringing uh, curtains back into style with his, his hairdo. And <laughs> he's basically a Brill Cream sponsorship away from having whatever the equivalent of a Spice Girls girlfriend is right now. He's, uh, he's that level. But... Yeah, I hadn't even considered it in that terms. And and we don't have owners that need the money. We're not a club that needs the money. And and I think that I like in, in my fairy tale where he never leaves and he stays at Villa his whole life. The fact that he could potentially, and I'm touching all the wood here, win a major tournament with England whilst playing for Aston Villa is a really big thing. Because Gareth Barry, one of the reasons he left and a lot of players have left Villa is to further their international credentials. And my hope is everything stacks up these days. But I agree with you, Andy. The pressure is on next year. And poor Dino, he's, um, you know, he wants to do well anyway. But if it's top four or bust in the Premier League with the squad we have, that's improved, but it's not a top four squad, then then bless him if, if that's going to be on his head. Top six or bust, I think it was. Top four, maybe, maybe pushing it. Yeah, guys. I mean, Jack Grealish is really... Um, you know, it it would be like trying to have a, a a spinal transplant. You know, how do you tear how do you tear the spine out of a football club and replace it? Well, well, you don't. Not without killing the patient. I'm not saying that the transfer of Jack Grealish will kill Aston Villa, but um, it is it is more. He's more than just a player, and uh, you know, it, it's a, we, we've spoken uh, a little bit on this podcast about the culture at Aston Villa about the men, about the stories of Tyrone Mings, about the story of Jack Grealish, about the journey of people like Ollie Watkins, the journey of someone like uh, uh, Emmy Martinez. There's a real nuance to what we have. And it's really, the alchemy is, is, is just right. And you can't manufacture that. You can't pick it up at the store it's just there it, it, it it's it's something very special so i mean i suppose if we're talking turkey let's talk turkey if there is no release clause in jack grealish as we are assuming there is not a release clause in jack grealish's contract if there is no release clause my opinion is that uh NSWE should tell Jack that he is not leaving this year under any circumstances, even if Man City bid 200 million. Even if he wants to leave, you can't go. But we will say to you that next year, should we fail to qualify for Europe, you can go for 100 million and you'll go with our blessing and it will be done in the first two weeks of the transfer window, should someone cough up that money. Um, I think that's I think that's the play. I think that's the, the, way, the way to do it, nip it in the bud. I mean... And this may already be done. You know, some people are saying Jack signed a new contract. Some people are saying he's going to Man City. But for me, if, if I'm if I'm the owner of Aston Villa, um, the second Jack Grealish gets off that plane with his uh, Euro medal next next Monday morning, <laughs> I'm calling him to the office. Say, Jack, mate, well done. Go take yourself on holiday. Go enjoy yourself in Ibiza, as I'm sure you will for a few <laughs> weeks. Do what you want, um, but you're staying here, and um, we just need to get that that clear you're not going full stop yeah to- totally agree with that and um you know it's about time we started making those kind of stances um with these players and it's not you know we're not holding him back you know this idea that you're holding players back by not 
selling them. We're trying as a club to u- to to utilize our asset to to make us better. And That's that a big bag of bollocks. Jack. If you'll excuse my French, all that <laughs> stuff. It really is like how, like the, this this idea that we should just give away our best talent to clubs that we're trying to aspire to get there. And it's like the question I asked earlier. If we sell our best players, how do we ever bridge the gap? Well, the honest answer is you don't. The way Manchester City bridged the gap, the way that Chelsea went from also runs to league winners and Champions League winners is not by selling their best players. Chelsea didn't sell John Terry or Frank Lampard or Michael Essien or Didier Drogba when they were building to be the biggest club in England or the most successful club in England. Manchester City didn't sell Vincent Kompany or David Silva or Sergio Aguero uh, or Yaya Toure. Despite, and you know there would have been interest in those players, players of that calibre. They kept them because they know we need these players to get to the top. We need Jack Grealish to get to the top. However unrealistic or fanciful it might sound to people outside of the Villa bubble, if you're not trying to be the best, if you're not trying to get to the top, what are you doing? What are you in it for? Well, absolutely. And and, and the, the, the difference is maybe with us and, and other clubs that have ha- have had to sell their best players is we do have that that big financial backing, don't we? Um, you know, but even still, I think, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there, Craig. I think, I think, I think that's that's certainly something that um, that might be floated in any in any um, contract discussions. I think, but it will de- it will depend on European football. He's got to be playing European football very very soon. Um, you know, I would I would say even even Champions League football, and that's I know that's a big that's a big jump from eleventh to top four. It's a massive jump, um, but I, th- I just think. <laughs> If, if we're not if we're not doing that this year when teams are struggling to rebuild when teams are teams are struggling to sign players or managers even get managers in you know when, when are we going to do it when are we going to take advantage of that and um you know it has it has to come you know and keeping jack Grealish is 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 the first bit of that um but we also need we need new signings which we'll discuss in a minute and um I'm sure you'll agree with me that uh, Mr. Grealish, we've already said he's impe- impeccably turned out on the on the on the face of it. Um, the mind boggles, doesn't it, to how he's how he's how he is under, underneath that kit. Um, and with that, here's a word from our sponsors. Yes, Andy, you are bang on about Jack Grealish. He could be the new David Beckham. Um, He is certainly a gentleman that uh, attracts a great deal of admiring glances. And I myself have been working on attracting admiring glances using my brand new products from Manscaped. Now, Manscaped.com is the proud sponsor of Gather Round a Lamp podcast. And over 2 million men worldwide, worldwide even, trust Manscaped. And so should you with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P. So it is the summer, Andy. Lots of people have been jumping around supporting England. Lots of people are making sure they look their best. The hairdressers are open in the UK, I understand. Is that is that right? That's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. 
So people are grooming is what's happening, Andy. People are grooming to the left. They're grooming to the right. And if you're listening to this podcast, I don't want you to be left behind. So what you want to do is take yourself on your smartphone, tablet, or computerized device. Type in www.manscape.com and scroll through some of those beautiful things. I promise you, your balls will thank you. You've got the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. You also have the wonderful, airy, breathable underpants, which keep your undercarriage nice and cool. They're also quite smart as well. I was wearing those last week. I felt like a I felt like I was wearing silk. It was beautiful. You've also got the ball deodorant, who uh, Andy is a big advocate for. And all those products are available over at manscaped.com. So make sure that you join the fun. Make sure that you join all the groomers out there. Don't be left behind. Get 20% off and free shipping with code LAMP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And be sure to use our code LAMP. L-A-M-P, and hit the target and shore up your D this Euros with Manscaped. Anyway, back to the uh, back to the, the podcast and back to the transfer window and Villa are still looking to add to the signings of, of Emi Buendia and Ashley Young um, as the squad get ready to return to training this week. Two rumours that won't go away um, are those involving Emil Smith-Rowe at Arsenal and, of course, Tammy Abraham from Chelsea. Villa have reportedly had two bids for Smith-Rowe turned down so far um, and there are persistent stories about continued interest in Abraham who who seemingly um, has no future under Thomas Tuchel. Um, do you see anything coming from these links um, or is there a danger that, that the club may be being used as leverage, particularly in the in the Smith Row case? Um, although, you know, there are there are reports today that um, we are about to, to table a, another bid um, for Smith Row in the coming days. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think? Do you think there's anything in these rumours? Um, I think there's no smoke without fire. Uh, with these Smith Rowe links, I think that um, you know, even if Villa are, uh, yeah, I don't buy that Villa are being used as a as a transfer uh, as a as a as a negotiating tool for the agent. I think there's much simpler ways to go about that. Um, I actually met a couple of fans uh, yesterday, a, 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 an Arsenal fan and a Spurs fan in Philly yesterday, watching the England game, and um, I was talking to them about this stuff. And the the Arsenal fans are rattled. It isn't just those on Twitter. I met some in person yesterday. They are concerned about this, and I think there is no smoke without fire because Villa, for sure, have had encouragement. Whether that's from Arsenal, whether that's from the player, the players' representatives, Villa have encouragement. You don't make three bids in this day and age, in uh, on a wing and a prayer, okay? You don't you don't do it you don't do it for the fun of it. You do it because you've had encouragement somewhere along the line that that there might there may be a deal to be done. Now the possibility of a deal and the actuality of a deal are not the same thing. Let me make that clear. But let's look at some context here. You all know all the listeners to the show know I lo- know that I love a bit of context. So Arsenal owe 150 million in transfer fees, the most of any club in the Premier League. They've just announced 50 million in COVID losses. They've just had to take out an 120 million pound loan 
to pay back to the Bank of England for the loan that they had uh, for the for the COVID. So we're talking about a three hundred and twenty million pound hole in Arsenal's finances right there. All this information is publicly available. I haven't just pulled it out of the sky. Feel free to look it up if you think that I'm talking rubbish. But they have a three hundred twenty million hole in their finances. Arsenal asked their players to take voluntary wage cuts last year. Fact. And although we all laugh about the sack dinosaur or the furloughed dinosaur, uh, their their mascot. There's there's a reason they're doing it. They're not doing it for for a laugh, although we all find it funny. They're doing it because they have serious cash flow issues, and cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. And what we saw with what happened uh, with Villa a few years ago, I think uh, you you alluded to it a few uh, minutes ago, Dan, is that. When a club has a cash flow problem, as Aston Villa did, you know, you're looking to remortgage car parks to pay tax bills or lay off dinosaurs, in Arsenal's case. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that things are that bad at Arsenal where they need to sell car parks, but they are having documented money issues. That's a fact. So let's just establish that as context. Additionally, every transfer report that's coming out of Arsenal-related journalists, and Arsenal are a leaky club, they have lots of, you know, uh, sources is that they're trying to pay £5 and a packet of Monster Munch up front for all of their targets, including Ben White, who now may be on the move to Chelsea is the latest news, because Arsenal literally don't have the money to, to pay up front. The only reason we got Emmy Martinez last, last year was so they could sign Partey, because they didn't have the money up front. So... There must be a deal to be done with Smith-Rowe, and every player has a price. And I said last week um, that that, um, that Smith-Rowe had had a contract on the table since April. That's not true. He's actually had a contract on offer since December. Smith-Rowe has not signed that contract, so which means Arsenal have not given Smith-Rowe what he wants. So, is it possible? You bet your life it's possible, gentlemen. I genuinely think he's coming, I, and and that was before Craig just convinced me of a business lesson there, and kind of uh, I I just think the way Villa are run. Think of every other transfer we've made over the last two years. How many of them did you read about before they happened, and how many of them happened? We're uh, we're a well-run recruiting side at the moment, and we don't put bids in unless we're confident we're going to get a player. Gone are the days when we were stalking horses for players, so. Um, I, th- I think we're in for him. I think we stand a very good chance of getting him. And I think he'd be a huge asset to the club and, and a huge statement. And I agree. I think Arsenal are in similar to Villa not getting up in the playoff final troubles. Um, and poor Gunnosaurus, we we kind of wish him well in, in the, the job market, down the job centre in that outfit. He's not going to have much luck. But I, what it means for Villa, I think, again, we're being ruthless. We're cherry-picking a top talent, essentially kind of not as talented, but they're Grealish, come through the ranks, number 10. Arsenal fans love him. We're going there and we're trying to cherry-pick that player from from a so-called super club, if we, we want to kind of giggle at that. So... I think he's. I think he's coming, and and all the talk coming out of Villa Park is that that's where Smith wants to strengthen us is in those attacking midfield positions. So if it's not Smith Rowe, it's going to be someone else. On the subject of Tammy, I don't think he's coming, but we've seen with this club before that we've got opportunists in the in the head office. So you know the the signing of Matty Cash when we didn't think we needed a right back, the the signing of Samsung when when we didn't think anyone was coming in. Um, we have. We have a board and a transfer team who clearly, when an opportunity arises for a good deal, they'll take it. So I think the Tammy situation is, if if no one else goes for him, if it ends up being a, whatever bargain basement counts for these days, you know, 30, 40 million of someone else's money, um, I, I think there's a chance he'd join if the deal was right for us and no one else went for him. So 
But yeah, I, I I think we're in for Smith Row for for good reason. That's because Arsenal are becoming a selling club, and and we are very much a club on the up. And and you you know, no smoke without fire, but but no transfer rumours without some paperwork somewhere along the lines too. Yeah, I think it's a it's a compelling sort of argument. It, it I've said before in in recent weeks that it it feels when you see the the link, you think, well, that's just that's just tosh that's that's never going to happen why are we going after players like that you know young sort of talented players at arsenal um they're not going to sell him but when you look at look at the context as 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 craig put it you know it's it is absolutely compelling and you know they are in a position where they might have to 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 be um considering these these offers and deciding you know a bit like with Martinez last year, you know, he was a player that they they maybe didn't want to let go, but they had to let one of their keepers go, and Martinez commanded the fee, and and they took it. It might be the case with with Smith Rowe as well, you know. Um, it'd be interesting to see if if you know if anyone does go in for Saka as well this this summer, because I think he's potentially um, gettable as well for. Probably for one of the one of the top clubs, so you know, I think I think it's um, you're seeing these bids going in, and I, I agree. I think it's the way that, that the football world works now. You obviously have to make the bid and have the the fee agreed, but clubs certainly with Villas, um, you know, structure don't don't uh, make bids for players if it's if it's pie in the sky. You know, we're not just throwing bids out there you know this is this will be a, a tailored approach to to getting this and getting this done and um it's very possible and i, I wonder you know whether the same's true of of maybe award prowse or even Tam, tammy abraham you know whether you know these are deals that we're we're looking at as well and you know we certainly need um you know we certainly, I think, need a few players um, if we're going to get to where we need to be. And as as Craig Craig mentioned um, earlier on our on our chat, possibly another defender as well. Yeah, well, the Ward Prowse one is interesting because that one did go away. Villa made the bid. It was clear that Southampton weren't weren't for for for, for dealing, and it went away. Smith Rowe hasn't. What we haven't talked about is we haven't talked about this from Smith Rowe's point of view. So if you're Smith Rowe and you're looking at the Arsenal t- side, you know that Aubameyang's always going to be first choice on the left. You know that Saka's always going to be first cho- choice on the right. And then you're looking at that number 10 spot. And you know that already Arsenal have tried to sign Brendier, couldn't do it in my position. They've tried to sign Odegaard in my position. Now there's rumours that uh, Arsenal have uh, are bidding for James Mad- Madison also in my position. So if you're Smith Rowe, this this tells me well. Arteta sees me as a substitute, whereas Dean Smith and Aston Villa see me as a star. And not all these things are about money. I think mean, I think sometimes people are like, "Oh, it's just money, money, money." It's not. Smith Rowe is a young player with 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 the bags of potential, really high ceiling, and he might just want to go out and play. He knows he's not going to play on the left for Arsenal at Bamiyang. He's not going to play on the right because of Saka. Arsenal are making, you know, efforts to sign a number 10. Whereas if, whereas Dean Smith, if if they have spoken <laughs> clandestinely, as I'm sure they have, if not directly, certainly through agents or uh, intermediaries, if Dean Smith has, has, has made that pitch, Smith-Rowe, mate, you're going to be playing every week. 
You're going to be playing with Jack. You're going to be playing with Brendier. You can play with Watkins. And if you have a look at our squad, um, Gareth Sidegate comes to all our matches. You want to play for England? You need to be in the Aston Villa team. And that's a compelling sales pitch, I think, if you're Emil Smith-Rowe. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly follow that with interest and, you know, maybe maybe it'll get done sooner than later. Who knows? Um, but Villa do return to training this week, um, obviously minus the internationals that are still still going on. Um, and they will presumably have a, have another break after um, after their, their tournament's end. Um, and the, as the, the build-up is, is starting in earnest to the, to the new season, um, with the return of... Fans uh, to stadiums expected to be green-lighted um, by the government fairly soon, all being well. I'll, I'll say that uh, with, with with my fingers firmly crossed. Um, Villa this week announced um, four pre-season friendlies culminating um, with a home game uh, with Sevilla a week before the season kicks off, which again, I think there'll be a, a big crowd for that if, if they're allowed to go. Um as we've discussed, um, expectations at, at Villa Park will be will be higher than ever for Dean Smith et al. So what will be on the manager's to-do list between now and the 14th of August? What's in his inbox? What's What What are the things he's got to address? I, I, I tried to write a list for this, but it ended up being a really boring list. So I'll try and spice it up as much as I can. But but the first one is actually an interesting problem, and that's getting players fit. Is It's not only the COVID-ravaged season that we just had, but also we've never had this many players at an international tournament, or not that I can kind of remember on off the top of my head. So there's definitely going to be a, a summer of just getting players right again after, after what they've just been through for the last 18 months or so. And I think that's going to be a big part. And it wouldn't surprise me if we started the season a little bit slower than normal, just because of that. Um the second thing was was improving at set pieces, but I think it's interesting that we've seen rumours out there that he's talking about bringing in a specialist set piece coach, and uh, it's definitely an area where Villa could improve upon. I think we we create so many opportunities for free kicks, and if we could put a few of them away without having Connor whacking it in with his left foot, then it would be would be nice to improve that. But the other thing actually sprung to me after after watching England at the Euros, and that's to have a plan B. I mean, Southgate's very much a kind of Swiss army knife manager. He, he, he'll go to a back three when he needs to. He'll play 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. He'll change up the pressing. He'll drop deep. And Smith as a manager is is slightly more dogmatic than that. He he has a way of playing. That's the way we play. Kind of depend personnel have to fit in around that. He changes it occasionally, but he really does just have the the one modus operandi. And I'm I'm kind of hopeful that during preseason we see him work on something different. Whether it's a back three, a four four two, just something for those games when you need you need to throw something different at the wall and hope it sticks, or you need to beat Burnley, or you need to hold on to something. And I'd, I'd quite like to see preseason for that. It's always the fun thing about preseason. It's meaningless. You see some some players you won't see much else throughout the year. It would just be nice to kind of see us have a plan B for those tricky games when we need to shut something out, break down a team differently. Just yeah, have something different to show players. Yeah, I I, I really agree with all that, Dan. I think that you're, you're spot on about that. And um, you know, lots of us called for 
you know, two strikers at certain points last season. And we saw it was quite effective when Davis and Watkins had minutes together on those rare occasions. And um, I think that there needs to be a, a more of a plan B with Smith. I think that's one thing I was critical of him, uh, crit- crit- critical about with him last year was that um, he was kept playing this 3 3 3 4 3 3 without Grealish when we didn't have the players for it, you know. El Gaz, you know, well, we don't need to, we, 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 we know, we know the limitations those players have. Um, but I think in terms of Dean Smith's, you know, to-do list, I go back to one of the interviews that Perslow did, I think when they, uh, when, when they just took, taken over and, and Perslow talked about having a squad for promotion, a quad, to, a squad to stay up and then a squad to progress. He was talking about the five-year plan and having three different squads. Well, the squad to stay up, are running out of time. It's not quite last chance alone for them, but the club is moving on up. And as we've spoken about before on this podcast, not everyone necessarily is going to make the journey. Uh, Samata didn't make it. Bjorn Engels didn't make it. Taylor, Heaton, Elmo, gone. There are rumours about Nakamba's future. Harahan is not going to make it. So there's other players now that need to that need to be probably looking over their shoulders from that first batch of players we bought that includes Wesley Wesley has things to prove injury accepted he still has things to prove so lots of those players who came in in the very first summer now might be looking over their shoulders so I think you know Dean Smith has to lay down the gauntlet to those players and say okay you all have had some time to settle in now it's time for you to step up or step aside. And it's a similar thing with uh, Sanson. Um, yes, he's uh, had a little bit less time than the others, but, you know, he is he is going to need to do better than he did. There's no more free ride for Sanson this season. We're going to have to look at uh, what what to do with the uh, our, our young stars, the, the Ramsey brothers, Chokwamenka, Philogene Bidais, Louis Barry, Brad Young, uh, Reiki. How many of those are going out on loan? How many of those need to stay in the under-23s? How many are ready for the, the first team? So there's lots to sort out. There's lots in Dean Smith's inbox because, um, you know, this team is growing at an exponential rate. And when you grow at exponential rates, you know, you need to shed. You need to shed baggage. You need to shed skin. We're like a big serpent. And we're <laughs> shedding skins all the time. And um, yeah, so so you know you know there's going to be there's going to be a call at some point isn't there you know some people aren't going to make it andy some of some favorites i know yeah and, and you know you mentioned connor there and you know it's just it's just the natural way of things isn't it he's been he's been wonderful um he's been such a big a big part of this of this this journey hasn't it but it looks like he He's 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 ready to ready to move on, and I'm sure he'd he'd agree with that. Um, and it's it's sad, but you know it's um it's it's the way it goes. I I agree with the 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 issue about the the under 18s. I think that that team that that won that the FA Youth Cup um, a couple of months ago, those players need to be um, pretty much all going out going out on loan. I think they need to. Um, Put Millay Eden up to work and get get them out into 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 good environments to um you know to get to get some proper proper men's football and except for um Carney Chukwemeka I think I, I I would certainly be keeping him around because I think he needs to be with the first team now um you know he's 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 good enough possibly um Philange Bidace as well I think that's how you say it. I always I always say it wrong um but um. 
you know those those are two players you'd perhaps keep around, but but the others, um, I think they they all need to go out and have a have a have a few months or a season out, you know, playing in the lower leagues and you know get some get some black eyes and some some broken ribs and you know and to 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 experience what it's all about and you know to to to, to come back as you know stronger and ready to ready to to push for their places. Um, I would say that's probably the the big thing, but of course, you know, we're looking at some some fringe players, Harahan, Gilbert, um, even someone like Courtney Hawes, maybe. You know, what are we doing with these players? Where, where do they fit in? Um, you know, do they need do they need to go go out again on loan, or are we going to sell them? Um, it's 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 actually a, a lot busier summer than than perhaps we. We imagined it might be. Um, these summers seem to. You always think, well, we just need a couple of ins, couple of outs, keep it ticking over. But when you when you get down to it, it's there's a lot more. There's a lot more to do, isn't there, for for a for a Premier League manager these days? So um, I'm sure, but I'm sure he's been working on it um, behind the scenes. If we know Dean Smith, um, <laughs> he'll have been in his office uh, or on the golf course having meetings. Um, I think that the, the changes yeah. are exciting to, to your point, Andy, because, you know, Burnley can make one or two changes and everything's fine because they're trying to just stay in the league. Crystal Palace, um, just to point in Vieira, I believe today, they've got loads of players out of, out of contract, but typically they don't do much. They, you know, keep it steady, keep the same kind of squad, maybe one or two. Um, but we're not trying to do that. We're not trying to finish 11th. We're trying to jump to, si- to, to 6th or 7th or 8th at least. You know, we're trying to make a major jump. So these these changes, you know, if, if you want big outcomes, you have to take big actions. And every summer Villa are taking big actions. And that, and that, and that is just, a, it's like a rocket ship, man. And it's like you, some of these players are, gonna, are clinging on for dear life. And, you know, already, you know, some of them are dropping off. It's not just uh, it's not just Dino's inbox either. It's uh, we've got a team in place now to support him. It's not the the days of Martin O'Neill where he, he ran the club from top to bottom or Bruce doing deals on the golf course. There's, I imagine Dean Smith's inbox is far different to those guys, and and that's the joy at the moment. I've never been more confident in the the backroom team and the the boardroom team running Villa, and and it's nice that, that Dean doesn't have to deal with that crap anymore. He can just focus on getting the team ready and. And that's the that's the good thing that that makes you think. Well, yeah, it's exciting. We are busy. We have lots to do. We also have some some of the best minds in the business working on it. So I'm confident it it will actually get us somewhere for a change this summer. I must say thanks for that uh, for mentioning Steve Bruce doing deals on the golf course because you've set me up brilliantly for the next uh, the next bit where um, we discuss John Terry. Um, we've just passed the the anniversary of John Terry. Signing for for Aston Villa, I think four years ago, after leaving Chelsea um, as a champion, um, he spent a year obviously playing for us. Um, unfortunately, didn't didn't um, quite finish the job as a player of of getting us promoted. But then he he joined Dean Smith's um, backroom team as assistant manager, and um, we got promoted at the first attempt. And he's he's been with us, been with Dino ever since, um, working with. Um, Craig Shakespeare um, as well, and 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 you know really having an influence, I think, in 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 the background. Um, he's recently 
as well finished his um his coaching badges i believe and he's 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 got all his his pro license and that sort of thing sorted so he's he's essentially ready now to to take on um a manager's role um should one um that interests him become available um but i mean we like we say we're we're very near to the start of pre-season um and there's really been no word on on john terry moving anywhere leaving his role at villa or um or, or moving taking up any any positions elsewhere um and he just seems to be really loving his 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 time as part of smith's smith's team um you know, several Villa players have talked glowingly um, in the past about JT's influence on them um, and on their game. Not least, of course, Jack Grealish, who, who cited Terry as a as a role model when he was he was really trying to get his career back on track after that um, career threatening kidney injury a few years ago. Um, I mean, how would you how would you sum up uh, John Terry's time at Villa um, since he signed um, as a player and as a coach? Um, in terms of his input and influence on the club? Um, I, I think as a, as a player, I think it has to go down as a failure. And not that he personally, John Terry, was a failure, but that that team was a failure under Steve Bruce. Um, it's worth noting at this point that Steve Bruce had assembled the second most expensive um, championship squad of all time. Um, only behind Newcastle United at Rafa, uh, Rafa Benitez is Newcastle United who went up as champions. And uh, Steve Bruce took that team assembled, uh, that second most expensively assembled championship team to fourth place behind Neil Warnock's motley crew at Cardiff who got automatic promotion. So there's no way to dress that up other than, other than a failure because then they also subsequently lost the final uh, to Fulham. And, um, you know, those were some dark days. So on the pitch, I would say overall, and, and we didn't not go up because of John Terry, don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming him as a player, but the experiment failed. Um, Zia, Bruce, Winus rolled the dice, as we know, with the club's future, and they lost. And JT and the wages and, and the infrastructure around that at the time was, 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 can only be summed up as a failure. Off the pitch, I think it's been an incredible success. You talked about input and influence. I think that John uh, Terry, along with the likes of uh, Tommy Elphick, along with the likes of James Chester, um, along with the, 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 the those those kind of characters, uh, Mila Yedinak, who's, who's had a mention already, you know, real kind of Glenn, Glenn Whelan as well, real, real top pros. And uh, Uncle Albert as well, you conclude in that. What a great personality he was to have around the team for a few years. You know, what, what a great guy he was. Um, we, you know, that helped transform the kind of the poisonous dressing room of Gabby Agbon Lahore, Ross McCormick and, you know, Zogby, all those, all those clowns and um, turned it into something really special off the pitch. And Jack Grealish is the epitome of that. Um, you know, I, I, we always have a bit of recency bias when it comes to to Jack Grealish and how wonderful he is. But let's let's be real about it. let's be frank about Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish was not a man or a young man that took his professional career seriously. He was not doing the things that he needed to be doing. And miraculously, about the time John Terry came around, Jack Grealish started putting the pieces together. And now we have ourselves an England international, a hundred million pound player. And I don't think you can under, under, undersell John Terry's influence in that. 
I think that um, off the pitch, he has been transformational for Aston Villa and one of the most important bits of business um, overall. So a bit of a mixed bag. On the pitch, I think it was ultimately a failure, not his fault, but off the pitch, about as good a move as Aston Villa could have made at the time. Yeah, I think Craig said it really well there. I think as as a signing, I was never a fan of it, but but in a twist that's stranger to one of Steve Bruce's crime novels, he's turned out to be transformational for Villa. I think off the pitch, it's no surprise that his arrival marked a, a, a turning around of our club. From top to bottom, the mentality has changed. And, and what we're seeing with England at the moment is the importance that mentality can have. It can take great players and make them into winners. It can take average players and, and turn them into good players. And I think that's what John Terry's brought. He's brought a professionalism. He's brought a desire to win, a steely edge that we've not seen at Villa for a long time. And and it just shows you the power that a character can have at a club. And I think Craig did a good job there as well of mentioning Tommy Elphick, James Chester, all those other lads that came in and really helped to turn around that toxic culture was at Villa. We, we were not fun to watch. We had a dressing room full of awful, awful human beings who were stealing a living from us. And it was hard to, to clear that out. And it's the one thing, as, as horrendous as his reign was, it's the one thing we've got to thank Steve Bruce for, is he helped us hit rock bottom and then bounce ever so slightly back so that we could get on the trajectory we're on right now. And JT was a huge part of that. I think he'll go soon enough. I think he's probably a Chelsea manager in waiting at some point if they didn't get their fingers burnt by Lampard. But I, I've, I, I've loved him being at Villa. I, I don't have... I don't know. I'm not privy to the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't know what he does on a day-to-day basis. But even if he's just putting an arm around players in the canteen and telling them telling them how to be pros, he's doing a fantastic job of it. And I honestly think would be it's a sliding doors moment. We'd be in a very different place had he not arrived. Yeah, I think I think this is it. I think just just the the fact just having his presence in the dressing room for that season. Yes, I mean it was. Yeah, ultimately they, they they came up short, and um, you know I always say it's the best final, the best match we've ever lost because um, who knows where we'd be if we'd have gone up um, on that day. Um, but certainly, you know the, the whole ethos of the club altered the second John Terry walked through that door, um, and then of course when he came back as a coach. I think a lot of the squad would have been delighted um, to have him back, not least Jack Grealish. And of course, I think um, you have to, um, you know, throw some credit his way for the, you know, the the, the, the massive improvement in the defence um, this season. Um, he must have a, a huge hand in that, and um, well, we know he does because because that's that's well documented that 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 he he works very hard with the defence. Um, and he's yeah he's 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 just a presence, isn't he? He's a presence around the place. I still have to double take seeing him wearing a Villa tracksuit. I still find it very strange because he is so um, he's he's obviously such a such a, a football sort of icon and a huge name in the game, um, you know. But he was so kind of linked with Chelsea, wasn't he? And um, you know, it is strange. It'd be probably similar to how it how it would feel watching Jack Grealish pull on a, a different shirt as well. But you know, it's just great to have have someone like that at the club. And I, I wonder whether you know there might be um, a succession plan at some point if he sticks around long enough. He he may well. 
um, be the man that, that, that takes over from Dean Smith at some point. Um, who knows um, whether that's the plan or whether that's in the pipeline. We we, we don't know really. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's he, he has been um, transformational for for the club as a as a as a character and as a as a leader in in the dressing room and um, as someone that. Um, that the players that come through the door can aspire to 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 be, and you know, you just have to to look at his trophy cabinet um, to say what you know to see what you can achieve if you if you put the work in um, at a big club. So um, great to have him around. I, I certainly hope he stays um, for another season or two. I think he's a he's you know he's he's a big part of things, and um, you know it's uh, it, it's great to have him. I just felt we should we should we should acknowledge him because it's uh, it's been something that's been in the news, um, the Villa news sort of recently. Um, but just before we finish the podcast, um, you know, really quickly, uh, one one final question um, off the Villa topic. Really, um, we just have Denmark now standing between England and their first final since nineteen sixty six. Is it coming home? Uh, my short answer, yes, it is. My longer answer, and, and listener, I'm wearing a tinfoil hat here, and if you follow me on Twitter, you'll have seen this on my timeline constantly. Um, the curse of ITV is real, and the semi-final is on <laughs> ITV. I mean, England's win percentage in tournament games since France 98 on the BBC is, oh, 73%. On ITV, 19%. So if it doesn't come home, we all know who to blame. Wow, there you go. Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, um, I'm going to be watching it on ESPN, so I don't have any I don't other have problems. The stats for those, Craig. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, so far so good because the last two tournaments I've been watching on ESPN uh, was pretty good in the World Cup and pretty good, pretty good uh, now uh, since I've been living in the US of A. Um, Denmark are going to be a whole different uh, bag of cherries than. Um, than the Ukraine were. Um, Denmark are going to be a much stronger outfit, but I still do believe that um, that England have enough to beat them. We have, you know, so much, so much strength and depth, you know. I think you just have to look at some of the players who aren't there, you know, to, to realise how good, you know, England's attack is. We've already spent some time talking about, you know, Jack Grealish, but, you know, when the likes of hudson Adoy and uh, Mason Greenwood and James Madison, Deli Alley, you know, to name Harvey, Ollie Watkins, Harvey Barnes, you know, just to name a few, are all at home. That tells you what kind of strength and depth we have. So I just think those attacking options, we're still yet to see a good perform, a, a real breakout performance from Mason Mount. We're still waiting for a breakout performance from, from Phil Foden. Saka might return to contention. So just those forward options, you always fancy England to, 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 to create something and if they can't create something they've got to they've got magic jack in the uh, in the rose in the in the in the rose glass so um there's always there's always ways for England to score and um with the with the clean sheets you know you fancy them for the for the semi-final um I don't want to get any further than that I'm not even going to talk past that um but I do think that England will beat Denmark 1-0 and then next week on that podcast, when we preview the final, I will be ready to tell you whether I think it's coming home, Andy. <laughs> well, we might we might not get another one in before uh, before the final, so um, you might have you might have come up short there, Craig. On you. <laughs> but but yeah, I, it wouldn't I, be the first time. <laughs> what I would say is that um, uh, I think if we get to the final, um, 
that's the best tournament since 66, isn't it? So um, that will be significant progress. And, you know, a lot of Villa fans particularly have been incredibly critical of Southgate, um, some with good reason, some just because he won't won't pick Jack Grealish. Um, but you can't argue, we said earlier, you can't argue with him. He's, he's, he's reached a World Cup semi-final and, and, and now a, a Euro Championship semi-final um, in the space of three years. He's taken... He's taking the team in in absolutely the right direction. This is what we want. We want to be be battling it out at the latter stages of tournaments, and he's doing it. And um, you know, it will be huge vindication for, for for him. You know, I already think he's. I put on Twitter the other night. I just think he's a he's he's already a legendary England manager. He has to he has to be in that category because he's achieved more than than anyone else apart from Ralph Ramsey. So. Um, yeah, he's he's certainly up there, um, and I'm delighted for him. Obviously, the Villa connection is there, although I don't think fondly of him after the way he left. But you know, he's 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 doing a great a great job in in, in not just it's not just about picking the team; it's the way he's he's gone about changing the culture and the atmosphere around the team as well. And um, I'll be delighted for him if 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 he leads us out at Wembley for that final. So. Um, Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm going to say yes. It's coming home. Let's. Uh, My answer is yes. Let's hope he brings home the bacon against Denmark. Yes. <laughs> Good one, Dan. Hey. I'll tell you what. This this podcast we've been on fire, lads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast to Danish bacon, here here, here we are. So, um, thanks everyone for uh, for listening. Um, thanks to Craig and Dan for joining me today. It's been uh, it's been a, a, a great chat. It's been lovely um, to talk everything through. Remember, if you are interested in 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 Manscaped, um, head to their website manscaped.com. Use the code LAMP. That's LAMP LAMP. Um, and that will get you 20% off and free shipping worldwide for all their products, um, even the ones on offer, I believe. So go over and check that out, um, particularly in these 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 warmer months um, when it certainly comes into, into its own. Um, and other than that, we'll be back um, soon with another podcast, maybe even a, a Twitter Spaces if we do get the Smith-Rowe deal over the line. You never know. Um, but... In the meantime, up the villa and it's coming home.